and we are live here on the Extra Points Podcast. We're live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube. Come and join us. Thank you for being here. This is the Extra Points Podcast with the College Football Experience. My name is Gus. This is Will. Will, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing great, man. Getting close to the weekend. Uh, I'm excited yeah. about having our second show. Yes. Um, you got a pretty big Saturday coming up. Getting ready to come yes. up to Carrollton and celebrate you. So, yep. you want to talk about what you got going on? Graduate nursing school this Saturday. It's a pretty big achievement. I'm, I am just excited to finally be done with school. But I'm also excited to get on here and talk some college football with you, man. I had a blast on the first show, and I'm gonna have a blast on this show too, dude. So, do you want to jump on every? Things? Uh, yeah, just real quick, just want to thank everybody for the uh, nice comments and. Yeah. Um, and some of our friends gave us some critiquing. So hopefully we can um, listen to what they had to say. And uh, but yeah, good ready use. to jump on in. Yeah. All right. So there was a lot of coaching moves this, this offseason. And there's a lot that's going to impact the 2023 season. And those are the new sheriffs in town. Who are the, who are the new coaches that we think are going to impact this 2023 season and not only this season but the seasons to go and the seasons in the future and the first one that i think is going to make the biggest impact this season it's got to be luke fickle at wisconsin luke fickle at wisconsin man i think he was probably one of the best g5 coaches in modern history i mean when when you think about the great g5 coaches you think about chris patterson at boise before he moved to washington you think about Gary Patterson at TCU before they made the jump into the Big 12, and I think that this is going to be one of the biggest splashes of the offseason. What do you think? Uh, yeah, man, I think he's done really well there at Cincinnati. He's um, His head coaching record is, you know, 63 and 25. Um, you know, he's a defensive guy. So yes. I'm excited to see what kind of philosophies he brings to Wisconsin. Um with that being said, man, he's um, he's done a really good job. He's He had the 29th ranked total defense last year. Mm-hmm. In 21, he had the 11th total ranked defense. And um, even when he was back at Ohio State, man, they had some really good defenses back then. Um, he had some top three defenses when he was at Ohio State. So he knows how to coach in the Big Ten. He's mm-hmm. been there. He's done that. Um, I'm ex- One thing I'm excited for, can he bring the 21st century offense to Wisconsin? And that's why I think he hired Phil Longo from North Carolina to come and run that side of the offense. But I'm honestly surprised that he decided to go to Wisconsin because it, it was kind of a well-known thing that he was waiting for a Big Ten job. But everyone was thinking Notre Dame, maybe Ohio State when it opened up, possibly Michigan. And and then, oh, then Notre Dame did open up in 21. But they promoted internally. They promoted their defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman, who was Fickle's defensive coordinator at Cincinnati. And it really doesn't look like Ohio State's going to open up anytime soon unless they go crazy and pull the trigger on Ryan Day or he leaves for the NFL. And there was a kind of a little bit of speculation that Harbaugh was going to go to the NFL the past two seasons, but it looks like he's going to be at Michigan for a while. So he just went ahead and jumped to Wisconsin after they fired Paul Chris, which I was shocked they fired Paul Chris in 2022, but Fickle going to Wisconsin really tells me that Wisconsin's really here to start taking football 100% serious, and they have a lot of buy-in within the program. 
Yeah, man. Um, you think Fickle would go to Michigan being Ohio State guy? I think Fickle would go anywhere in the Big Ten where he knows <laughs> that he can succeed and play and coach at the highest level. And obviously, you're able to do that at Michigan. So, And just getting back to his yeah. time at Cincinnati, I mean – he turned what was a horrible team under former Auburn coach Tommy Tuberville into a G5 giant. I mean, they only won 11 games two times before he got there. He won 11 games in 2018, won 11 games in 2019, went 9-1 in 2020, almost knocked off Georgia in the Peach Bowl. Do you remember that game? Yeah, man. I remember um, thinking, like, man, dude, these guys are for real, dude. I mean, Luke yeah. Fickle – um, I thought he did a great job with Cincinnati. Um, it seemed like he could play with almost anybody. You know, that playoff game they had with Alabama wasn't a terrible game. Um, they, they, they were a pretty good matchup for Alabama. Yeah, and even Nick Saban kind of said they were very physical in that game. So that's something I could see him definitely bringing to Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Physicality nothing that they lack there. Um, that right. is something always had is physicality. Mm -hmm. And you have to be ready to play in the trenches if you're going to play Wisconsin. 100 percent he's going to continue that and um he's done a good job recruiting um at cincinnati i think with just the resources he had he you know he's he finished 45th nationally last year 51st nationally the um the year before that so i think at wisconsin he can he can probably do like he finished 39th in this 23 class and you know he mm -hmm. got in there late and uh they finished 18th in the transfer portal mm -hmm. um so definitely think if you give them a whole year with recruiting um i think that can improve and we all know that's that's where you can win ball games is uh, you know out there on the recruiting trail all right and i think the biggest thing even bigger than his ranking in the transfer portal is he was able to keep uh, their running back braylon allen who is an absolute yeah. stud he's probably one of the he's he's a top 10 running back in college football so i think them being able to keep him was a massive deal coming back down south though there was a big hire on the plains and that's hugh freeze at auburn my team i was really excited about this hire why are you excited about this hire for auburn um i'm excited about this hire because i want somebody to challenge alabama and georgia and i i i think um hugh freeze he just fits auburn to me he just seems like a good old boy that can uh he fits in there he can recruit first of all i feel like it's been a while since auburn's had a coach that can really recruit and out recruit other coaches around the south um he he proved it that he can recruit at ole miss um he's finished in 2016 he finished fifth uh 2013 he finished eighth um and that's one thing i think auburn's just been kind of missing is that guy that can recruit and I think Hugh Freeze can do that. And he's proved it even early on in this 23 class. They finished 18th. I mean, they jumped from 50th to 18th real quick in this class. So, he's – I think he's done a good job. Um, I think he's a proven winner in the SEC. That's the biggest right? thing. That's, yeah. the, the, that's the biggest thing is he – He's a proven winner in the SEC, and he knows the SEC landscape. He has won here before. He – he is able to know all the high school coaches, which, help, which helps with recruiting. And he's able to deal with the boosters at Auburn. They're the ones that wanted him. So with everyone at Auburn being behind the head coach, 
which which was not the case with Gus Malzahn, surely was not the case with Brian Harson. Having a unified push behind the head coach and having the backing at Auburn's really, really big. And and just like you were saying, he fits Auburn at this time. Auburn was desperate. I'm gonna go ahead and say it as an Auburn fan. I would say that Auburn was desperate because we got turned down by Lane when we were going through the head coaching cycle and going into 2021, we supposedly got turned down by Lane. We got turned down by Mario Cristobal. We got turned down by Billy Napier. So just turned down, turned down, turned down. Alan Green made an ego hire to show the boosters, well, to try to show the boosters who's who's in charge. And that turned out with Brian Harson, not a good situation. So Auburn, I feel like we needed to get the higher right this time because if we didn't we were just going to keep falling further behind Alabama further behind Georgia further behind LSU our three biggest rivals who've all won a national championship in the last four years they're they've won the last four national championships and for those to be your three biggest rivals that's just a killer so I think them going out and making this hire for Hugh Freeze just says hey we're here to play and we're here to give our head coach the full support that he needs Man, I'm excited to see his offense in the in, back in the SEC. Man, he he did a really good job at Ole Miss. Um, they had the number one offense in the SEC in 2015. They averaged 517 yards per game. So he can coach ball, man. He and he can get the dudes at, at Auburn. He's he's hit a huge, got some huge recruits here recently in the transfer portal. So I'm excited to see what he's what he can do, and um, excited to see what the future holds for Auburn. Yeah, man, super, super excited about what he's gotten on the offensive line. I think I saw a stat the other day that says that he got nine offensive linemen in the portal, and in like the past three classes, we've only gotten eight total. And then he addressed our issue at quarterback with Peyton Thorne from Michigan State, which is just going to provide some stability <laughs> and some experience, which we don't have. We don't have well, it all What's been the main issue with Auburn the past few years? Their offensive line. Their line has been atrocious. Absolutely. I don't want to drag these kids through the mud. They haven't been terrible, but just not up to the standard that Auburn fans expect. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you can also, you know, talk about coaching. They've had offensive line coaches rotate in and out of there. So, if you don't have consistency, it's kind of hard to get better, you know? Yeah. Staying in the SEC – Moving a little out west to the Lone Star State College Station. This is not a head coach. Jimbo Fisher's still there for now, but he is seem, seeming to be relinquishing his play calling duty, hiring Bobby Petrino. Let's yes, let's let's hope. Hiring in Bobby Petrino to hopefully come and run his offense. And to put it nicely, AM's offense has been mediocre. At best, they scored thirty. They scored over 30 points once last year. And in 2022, 2021, and 2019, they finished in the bottom half of total offense in all of FBS. And for the talent that they have on that roster, for the coaching pedigree that they have had there, that's just unexcusable, which is why I think Jimbo got some – he got a little hot seat under him. So I'm like, hey, you need to make a change or we're going to have an issue. And it seems to be that he's made this change with Bobby Petrino. Uh, yeah, I definitely think he's going to take more of a CEO type approach here. Let Coach Petrino kind of take over the offense. 
um, which I think is good. You know, I think, man, Jimbo's offense is just – It just hasn't been working, man. It hasn't hasn't worked since he won the national championship at Florida State, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just hasn't found the right quarterback yet, you know. He hasn't – either they hadn't stayed healthy or they just hadn't played well, man. I, I think maybe bringing Bobby Petrino in there, him looking for his style quarterback that he wants can really help. And, um, you know, I think I think this will help Jimbo maybe keep his job for another year, see how they do. Uh, but Bobby Petrino, man, he's, he, he, he's going to bring in a really good offense, man. He definitely has a blueprint on how to do it. And, I mean, because he did it at Louisville 2017, 2016, 2017, 545 yards per game. 2016 at Louisville, 533 yards per game. And then even going back to his time at Arkansas, where he had Ryan Mallett, and he was getting in about like the 450 yards per game, which for that time period, that was still a pretty good offense. And I'm I'm just interested to see what he can do with Connor Wegman there at quarterback. I'm assuming that's going to be who the quarterback is because <laughs> that's where they ended the season. And he And I think he has the most upside – out of all the quarterbacks in their quarterback room. And mm-hmm. what do you think is going to happen? Say they go down to Miami week two, and they have nine points at halftime and 82 yards of offense. What is going on between Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino? Two two dudes with two pretty big egos, that it seems. Um, I, you know, I think they're um, grown men. They will handle yeah. it. You know, Jimbo, if he's going to hand over the offense, he needs to hand it over the offense. That's Do I what think I'm he's going to be upset? Yes. every Any head coach in the country will be upset with nine points and 82 yards of offense. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, Bobby Petrino was a great – I think he was a pretty good hire for them. Um, you know, he, he can adjust to any type of personnel, man. You got Lamar Jackson, who is probably the most athletic quarterback you can have, and then you got Ryan Mallett, who is probably – just a pocket passer. So he can do, he can do it with anybody. Um, he can adjust to your personnel. So I'm excited to see how they do this year. Let's see if they improve. Um, they did pretty decent recruiting this year. So I'm excited to see it. And let's see if A&M can improve this year from their lackluster year from last year. That, that would be a big thing for the SEC and just for the SEC West to have someone to challenge Bama, have someone to challenge Texas a um, someone to challenge LSU. I think Alabama goes to Texas A&M this year, right? Yes, I yes. believe so. Let me check That's, Alabama's schedule. I can. No, I'm I'm certain that they do. So that yeah, they go to A and M. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be an awesome game to look forward to. Staying in the South, though. Going a little bit east and changing the conference. What about Garrett Riley being hired at Clemson? Dabo Sweeney makes what I think is the most important coaching hire of his time there at Clemson to date because they were on a downhill slide offensively. Really, since Trevor Lawrence left, they were on a downhill slide. It was getting ugly. And something you don't see from Dabo too often he goes outside of the program to make a hire with Garrett Riley, the offensive coordinator from the national championship appearing TCU Horn Frogs last year. Yeah, man, I'm excited to see if he can revamp this um, Clemson offense that's just been kind of blah over the last several years, you know? Very blah. Uh, I'm going to say this guy can coach ball, and he has proven it at everywhere he's been. TCU, 
last year, 10th ranked offense, 455 yards per game. SMU, 10th ranked offense, 466 yards per game. App State, ninth total offense, 433 yards per game. And let me tell you, those are three different personnels. Then two. Yes. So he can really adapt to whatever it is you got, and he can be with it. Yes. And, and I mean, from the jump they made at TCU, they jumped from 28 points per game to 38 points per game. That's a massive jump. That's how you win ball games. That's that's how you see that exponential jump that happened with TCU when they jumped from Gary Patterson at head coach to Sonny Dykes from 21 to 22. And I'm excited to see what he does with Cade Klubnick there at quarterback. I think Kay Klubnick has the potential to be a absolute star in college football. Just can they be healthy on the offensive line, and can they get some downfield explosive pass plays there at Clemson? Yeah, I mean, you know, last year Clemson was 30th in total offense with 410 yards a game, and then 2022 they were 82nd in the country in total offense. So um, I definitely think this is probably going to be his most talented roster he's got in the coach. Mm-hmm. So I think we will get to see his offense on full display this year, um, and hopefully he'll get him a head coaching chance here soon. I definitely think he will, but especially with having the spotlight on him at Clemson, they they have a big game against FSU week four. That'll be their first real big test of the season. But that game is at home. It'll probably be at night. We already know college game day is probably going to be there. That's one of the biggest games that week. So I'm top ten I'm, matchup. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, it just depends on if FSU loses to LSU, which is a possibility. But that that's going to be a really fun team to watch this year Garrett Riley the new offensive coordinator at Clemson still staying in the south we're about to talk about a team that we both really don't like that much (laughs) we both really don't like this team and that's the topic that's the Georgia Bulldogs yeah that's the Georgia Bulldogs can the big dogs eat can they really contend for a three-peat. I think they're the favorites going into the season. They should be ranked preseason number one. What are your thoughts on the Georgia Bulldogs going into 2023? Man, they are absolutely loaded. It's not about do I think they can compete for a third championship. There is no doubt. It's can they finish undefeated again in the regular season? Right. Um, You know, statistics kind of say it's hard to go undefeated three years in a row. So um, they lost a few offensive playmakers, but (laughs) the way they recruit, they're just going to bring, they're just going to reload and bring new guys in there. So, um, you know, last year they were fifth in total offense, averaging 501 yards per game. Defense, they were 10th in total defense, you know, averaging 206 yards per game. Um, losing Stetson Bennett, who threw for 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, and only seven picks. Um, you know, can Carson Beck, who we think is going to be the starter, can he replace Stetson Bennett? I think he can replace Stetson Bennett because he has so much around him. He has 
a absolute great wall of China offensive line in front of him. I mean, it's <laughs> it's just insane. And all the weapons they were able to get from the portal, they were able to get Dominic Lovett from Missouri. Yes, they were able to get they were able to get Rara Thomas from Mississippi State. Two all SEC wide receivers absolutely killed it in the portal. They're loaded out wide. They have Arian Smith out wide two. They still have Rosemary Jack Saint out wide two. And we can't forget about their tight end room. They have Brock Bowers, arguably the best football player in college football. They have him to throw to, too. And they have Oscar Delp. And they have Lawson Lucky, a freshman tight end who's going to be really good, too. And can we talk about their schedule? It's a joke. <laughs> well, first, dude, I want to say you forgot about Lad McConkey, man. Lad McConkey, yeah. Their secret weapon. Dude. The dude who somehow gets open every other play. He can run some routes. That's the reason he gets God open. Dang, man. Because he can run and some routes. You mentioned him, dude, Brock Bowers. For me, he's tied for the best player in the country with Marvin Harrison Jr. Man, that dude. Oh, I'm jealous they got him. But yeah, man, we can talk about their schedule. Um, it's a joke. Yeah, I mean, just, if you're a Georgia fan, you you got to be upset. The first month of the season, you only have one game that's going to be worth watching. Maybe, maybe. I mean, the South they, Carolina game might be the only game even worth turning on. Yeah, because they open up with UT Martin, then they play Ball State, then they play South Carolina at home, then they play UAB. Then finally, at the end of September, they go to Auburn, which is going to – which is – it's Jordan-Hare Stadium. It's a rivalry we discussed, game. Yeah. We discussed Jordan-Hare last yeah. week. It's a, it's a difference maker, and that's one of those games that it is crazy for is the Georgia yes. game. Probably 330 yep. game. Um, I think Auburn will be a better team than they have been. Uh, I expect that game to be maybe a little closer maybe. than expected. Maybe, but you don't ever know because George is just so, so dominant. They can just lean on you. They can wear yeah. you down, and then they can break you half halfway through the third quarter, and it opens up the game. Georgia really doesn't have a, what I think is like a legit test until they go to Tennessee the second to last week of the season. And this is my college football hot take. I think Georgia and Georgia Tech should stop playing. I think Well, for the that, sake of college football, good Lord. I mean, please. Georgia please. Tech is just not a very good challenger for um, for Georgia. We'll switch with them. They want to play Florida State every please. year. <laughs> please. But hey, getting back to the roster they have at Georgia, man, they're, they're even more loaded on the defense. A, a specific part of the defense that I want to focus on is the secondary because whenever I think of the secondary, I think of a really talented bunch, but up, but a part of this, a part of the defense that has almost cost them a shot at the national championship game back to back years. They got torched by Alabama in 21 in the sec championship game, absolutely torched. And then this past season against Ohio state in the peach bowl, they also got torched. So I'm really looking at, Tyke Smith, Kamari Lassiter, Starks, and Bullard to really hold down that secondary and 
because I think if they can make that secondary just as dominant as the front seven, then we're well, I'll say this about the secondary, man. If you're playing football and you're covering your dude and the defensive line doesn't get much pressure on the quarterback and CJ, there's Stroud only so much just, you can do. Right. It's not like he was sitting back and then it was quick throws. It was a few of those he had to scramble, run out, and then he found the open dude, man. I mean, you can only cover your dudes for so long. I mean, right. Especially right. when you're covering a dude like Marvin Harrison Jr. And you have to worry about Emeka Abuka and all of those other guys, Fleming for Ohio State. So I understand that. I, I for sure understand that. But now, I, the I Alabama think- one. He Bryce Young wasn't really running around all that much. He was he was getting them everywhere, nickel and diamond them. Yeah, yeah, I mean that game was a little different. Yeah. But Muschamp and Kirby do. They're some of the best DB coaches in the country. So I definitely think they'll get the secondary right. For sure. Speaking of Alabama, just a second ago, does the tide remember how to roll, man? Because they for well, that some of our friends think they don't. Dude, some well, well, some of our friends lack a couple brain cells. Let's just be honest. <laughs> but can can Alabama bounce back in twenty three, man? Because to their standard, they had a very disappointing twenty twenty two. I mean, they d- did lose on the road twice on the last play of the game twice. So I mean, if that's your most disappointing season, then that just yeah says Tragic, something man. about how dominant Alabama has been. But Tragic, tell me why they go 11 and 2. <laughs> yeah. Tell me why you think the tide will roll in 23. All right. I'll give you a stat right here. We kind of talked about this a little bit ago. <laughs> their yeah. average I averaged out their recruiting classes the five, the past 5 seasons cuz those are probably the kids that are still still around. Mm-hmm. They're averaging a 1.4 recruiting class. That's ridiculous. So they they got studs. Their their twenty three class was the number one in the country, and I think I think this ended up finished. What is it? The second the, or third best class ever. It is the third highest ranked recruiting class of all time, and the all only third. yes, and the only two recruiting classes that have topped it were I think Texas A and M, Texas A and M from last and, year, and and the Alabama class in twenty one. Yes. So yes, and that twenty-two A and M class ain't even half of them ain't there no more. Very true. So, and he finished with twelve five stars. <laughs> that twenty-three class. That's unheard of. And they said, "He's done." I mean, but that's they've that's hired a new bad. offensive coordinator. Which every year I feel like Alabama gets to see DC. I mean, we, it's, it's at, like every, it's at every least other every year. two or three. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, they got a new offense coordinator from, um, from Notre Dame, Notre Dame Tommy Reese. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the one I'm most excited to see bring in. Um, I think the defense, that's kind of Saban's defense. You're going to come in, run his stuff, do what he does, just keep that thing rolling. I'm excited to see what Tommy brings to the offense. Uh, tell me what you think about him. I think Tommy Reese is a young, up-and-coming offensive coordinator. What I think is more glaring about Tommy Reese being there is that he was able to come in, have a spring with Ty Simpson, have a spring with Jalen Milrow, and say, 
I don't think y'all are good enough. Let me go get the quarterback from Notre Dame that I was just with for a full year, Tyler Buckner, who was injured for part of the year, but in the games he played really didn't play that well. He he only threw three touchdown passes in three games that he played in. But to go and get him when you recruited a transfer in to replace him. So you're replacing the guys at your school with the dude that you just replaced at your old school. So that says something about the quarterback situation there. I think Notre Dame recruits itself a little bit. And if Sam Hartman's interested in coming to your school, you're not going to tell him no. Yeah, you are not going to tell Sam Hartman no. Probably top, top five quarterback in college football. But we have a Bama fan that left us a comment down here. He said, Pete Golding destroyed that defense. Let me see. From Jackson Shellnut. Not Pete Golding destroyed that defense. I think Pete Golding got some un I think he got some un unnecessary hate, but I can see why he got the hate. I can definitely see why he got the hate. But I think bringing Kevin Still in, someone who knows Saban, someone who's coached with Saban, someone who's coached against Saban, he he knows what Saban likes to run. He knows what Saban runs. So he'll he'll just be able to jump right in there and if, I think will be a smooth transition. If on finishing the 13th in total defense in the country is destroying it, man, yeah. give me some of that. Give me some give. of that, please. <laughs> um, let's look at their schedule for this year. I kind of like their schedule, man. It's a uh, it's kind of a fun schedule, especially that week two matchup with Texas. What you think? Man, I think that will be an early indication of how their season's going to go. I yeah. I really really do. Texas is loaded on offense. Alabama's loaded on defense. That's probably going to be the most fun matchup of the season up to that point, just those two units going at each other. And speaking of their schedule, they play their biggest games at home besides Auburn and Texas A&M. But they get LSU at home. They get Tennessee at home. They get Texas at home. And where Alabama's really struggled the past couple years is on the road. And I think that was more so on their past offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien, and just the system he ran, it just took him a lot of plays to check a, lo- a lot of time to check to the side to get the audibles in. And if you really noticed and you were watching Alabama, they snap they snapped the ball really late in the play clock. And that just allows your players to get rattled. That's just more time to miscommunicate with each other. That's just more time for the crowd to get into it. And that's one of the reasons I think they really struggled on the road the past couple of years. So getting Tommy Reese in, I, th- I think he's going to bring new – new life and really allow Alabama to take good control of their schedule and really take advantage of all their really big home games. I want to see Alabama's offense go back to the way it was. Quarterback, just manage the game, run the football, get your ball in the playmaker's hands. Mm -hmm. Find your guys out wide that can just make plays with the ball, man. Just manage the game as the quarterback. You don't have to do nothing special. You're not Bryce Young. Don't try to be Tua. Don't try to be Jalen Hurts. Be you. Control the game. Don't turn over the ball. And I promise you playmakers will make plays because they got some around them. I mean, they have Ja'Cory Brooks returning at wide receiver. They have a transfer in Malik Benson that's coming in from junior college. He, he was one of the top junior college transfers coming in. They have Jermaine Burton coming back for another year, the transfer 
Georgia. They have Isaiah Bond, and they have Kobe Prentice. They're all really highly recruited out of high school wide receivers that I think they're going to be able to take advantage of. And getting back to the defensive side of the ball, they have a freshman, Caleb Downs, who is he was the number six overall prospect in the 2023 class. He's a safety. He was the number one safety in the country, number one player in the state of Georgia. To have a safety ranked that high in a recruiting class says a lot about him and all of the comparisons coming from the coaching staff in Tuscaloosa. It's comparing him to Minka Fitzpatrick. That's one of their favorite players. There of all, yeah, yeah, an absolute dog. So really look at Caleb Downs to get on the field early and really be a contributor on that Alabama defense. Man, I want to see their linebacker play kind of improve a little bit. Go to that yeah. sideline to sideline type ball players, man. I miss that uh, Reuben Foster type uh, playing, man, that a dude that will headhunter you. Like oh, if you yeah. don't keep your head on a swivel, he will knock you out. I want to see some ball players like that, man. Well, they've been able to recruit them and they've been able to keep them on the roster, which I think is really big for the Crimson Tide going into 2023. Man, do you do you know what makes me sad? College football ends? Programs that stink, that shouldn't stink. <laughs> Programs who are terrible that I'm like, man, I wish this program was good. They've been good in the past, but they're not good now. The, yeah. These these programs stink. They stink. Plain yeah. and simple. And these programs need CPR. They need it. They need to be revitalized. They need resuscitation. And the first program that we think needs that really bad is Georgia Tech. We just talked about them earlier. My my hot take is Georgia Georgia Tech shouldn't play anymore cuz it's just ugly. It isn't good for either, for either team. The Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets need CPR. Tell me why they stink so bad, Will. I really want to know cuz they shouldn't be this bad. Well, if I knew why they stunk so bad, I'd be the coach over there. But I can kind of point a few things out to you why I think they might stink. Um, Please tell me why they stink. Well, last year they were 115th in total offense and 85th in total defense, and they finished five and seven. That's bad. Um, yes. Um, they haven't had a winning season in a long time. Well, they've had two double-digit wins in the 21st century. No, yeah. two, yeah, two double-digit win seasons, sorry, in the 21st century. That's awful. Absolutely terrible. A lot of their issues are, it has to do with the AD, the president, the school itself. I mean, they just can't really recruit the kids around the state that they need. And yeah. Georgia literally has some of the best kids you can recruit. There, if you did a circle, a three-hour window around Atlanta, I promise you, you could find them anywhere. It is one of the most talent-rich areas of the country. I mean, because you have Georgia, you have Florida, you have Texas, and you have California. Those are the four big states when it comes to talent. But they're in the Atlanta area, and they can't recruit, which is just the school. It's the academic standards that they have. That's really holding them back, dude. 
they have 14 <laughs> wins since 2019. They went their last bowl game was 2018. Oh, that's just sick. That's absolutely sick. And and I think college football is moving away for them, moving away from them too. Kind of like it is with Stanford, kind of like it is with Northwestern. It's really moving away from these high academic schools, but it's not moving away from Vandy because Vandy's kicking butt. But it's really moving away from them with the transfer portal. It's hard to get transfers in, and it's hard for them to really get NIL stuff going there just because of kind of the – the way the school holds themselves, they're like almost above paying players to come play for you. Sorry, Georgia Tech. That's how you're going to have to do it to even be competitive. But I will say Brent Key did kind of turn it around. All of the reports coming out of there last year were the players didn't want to play for Jeff Collins. They they no. really did not want to play for him. And, and it was obvious when he got fired, Georgia Tech started – winning ball games heck they beat they looked they looked good at the end of the year like pretty decent man they they beat north carolina kind of the second to the last week um they beat which virginia tech that's not really a huge win but you know they won two games with right um which that north carolina game was huge um you know played against miami um (laughs) Ended up scoring 14 points right there against mm-hmm. um but they they just were not a very good football team. Uh they got up to Duke um October the eighth uh in overtime. Yep. Um but I think they need to improve overall offensively, defensively. They lost their quarterback in the portal. Um he he jumped ship team about to come here soon. Uh, crew, they finished 62nd in 23 class. Um, they recruited Gibbs, uh, the running back that transferred to Alabama, and they just couldn't. Jameer Gibbs is an absolute stud, yeah, 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 man. If you can recruit more guys like that on your squad, man, you would be a pretty decent team, yeah, and you can keep them there because it's hard to get into Georgia Tech and it's hard to stay in Georgia Tech. Yeah. I mean, w- which is why I just think college football is moving away from it because it's so easy to transfer now. You go and you f- and you fail one aerospace engineering class. Oh, I can go be a business major at Alabama, and I don't even have to worry about my grades. Some some Alabama cheerleader will be doing my classes for me. Whoa, now! So <laughs> I ain't accusing <laughs> anyone of cheating, but man, well, and. I, and I really love this comment from James, just kind of like you were bringing up. So so bad, Jeff Sims had to jump ship to another dumpster fire in Nebraska. Well, you know what, James? We know you're a Nebraska fan. And guess who we're talking about next? A team that needs CPR? The Nebraska Corn Huskers are a you're team. You're talking that- about a, a team who used to dominate. In different decades. Yeah. We're great. Yeah. We're awesome in the 90s. Beat Florida in the national championship one year. And everyone thought Scott Frost was the Cornhusker savior. 
everyone thought that he was going to come in there. He was going to revitalize the program because, dude, he was the native son. Like, he was the guy that was going to come in there. But I, I thought he, I thought he was, I thought he was going to come in there too, and I thought he was going to be successful. What he did at UCF, I mean, UCF was a pretty decent program when he got there, and he took him, took him to the Chick Fil A Bowl and beat Auburn. Um, he kind of got him in that national championship talk. Right. Um, I thought he was really going to go to Nebraska and do something, but it just didn't work out, man. He finished with a sixteen and thirty-one record. That's disgusting. Yeah, it's terrible. That's 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 just not good. And in and in his four seasons there, they didn't make a bowl game once. And really, when you look back at Nebraska, dude, they were going downhill ever since they fired Bo Pelini. I don't know why yeah. they fired him. I really don't. I think they might have gotten a little too big for their britches and and thought them jumping to the Big Ten, they they needed to be winning the Big Ten because under Bo Pelini, they never won less than nine games. He was 66 and 27 overall. And I mean, if but if you're winning nine to ten games a year at Nebraska, I mean, that's pretty phenomenal. That's pretty, pretty good. And they fired him. I think once you kind of get some success in like a period of time, you think you should always at some point get back to that. And they kind of thought Scott Frost had that, um, had the magic, what what he was doing at UCF could carry over to Nebraska. And it just mm-hmm. didn't work out, man. Yeah. He just couldn't. He lost a lot of one possession games. They just Undouble. couldn't, they just couldn't get it figured out, man. Yeah. And I mean, they were awful on special teams too. Awful, awful. Like they were one of the worst special teams teams in the country, and they were bad on defense. They were bad on offense. They were bad all around. But they've kind of started to jump back now. They were able to hire Matt Rule. They were hired to get. Mm -hmm. They were able to get him because he was fired from the Carolina Panthers. But he has been a phenomenal college head coach from his time at Temple where he took that program that was in the dump, brought him up, won 10 wins there (laughs) twice for the third and fourth time in program history, then went to Baylor after the Art Bryles debacle and won, was able to win double-digit games there in just his third year with a roster that was decimated. And then he was able to get to the Sugar Bowl and he lost to Georgia. But whenever you're at Baylor to get to the Sugar Bowl, that's a really big deal. Yeah, I wouldn't look at his overall record um, just because his situations he's been in are just a little different. He's always had to rebuild a program. I mean, the Baylor program was in shambles. Yeah, it was almost gone. I mean, um, you know, he has a 47 and 43 overall record. I wouldn't really judge him by that. Um, maybe his last year at Baylor is what I would kind of look at. He did a really good job. They finished eleven and three. Yes. Um, I think he's kind of gotten there at Nebraska. He started recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, he finished thirty first in this twenty three class. Um, he finished twenty six in the transfer portal. Um, I thought he did a good job. Some noticeable names that I. Um, some good talent. If Eric Gilbert could get his act together, he is a stud on the field. He's a freak. Um, yeah. And then they, they probably got their quarterback, Jeff Sims. He come from Georgia tech. Yes. 
Um, I think he'll be pretty good. Um, another thing, man, he has the support from the fan base, from the alumni. They want to be successful. They're building a new facility. Yes. So they are doing everything they can to take that next step to be successful. Mm-hmm. And and I think kind of like what Wisconsin has done, they're, they're in this transition period in the Big Ten because – the conference is changing. They're bringing USC. They're bringing UCLA in. And then with this conference changing, it's time to get serious about college football. It is time to start investing 100%. You have to make the right hires if you're going to do a coaching change at this point. And I think that's happened at Nebraska. I'm kind of hoping this is a completely off-topic subject. kind of hoping that happens at Iowa, too. kind of hoping they get Kirk Ferentz out of there and they bring someone else in but that's a topic for another day man will that was fun that was really really fun yeah, that was a quick episode i feel like yeah yeah well um i like oh james look at james's previous comment uh, let, let me see let me see matt rule versus deon sanders matt rule will be the next Matt Rule versus Deion Sanders will be the next Cold War coaching rivalry. That's going to be quite the storyline of the season. That's very true because not most people in the South know Colorado and Nebraska. That was a pretty big rivalry back in the day. I think they play each other week two. I think it's at I think it's at Colorado, yes. right? Week two yes. at Colorado. Dude, that'll be a big deal because I mean they hate each other. They don't like each other. And that's really a sneak a sneaky rivalry. And can the star power of Deion Sanders hold hold up to the coaching prowess of rule? Because rule's proven where you just have Sanders that could just be a flash in the pan. He could go to Colorado and he could flop where we know rules a proven college coach. So that will be a very cold war thing going on because they aren't in the same conference. So they don't play every year. So it'll kind of be a fun, fun dynamic to watch between the two, the two fan bases of Colorado and Nebraska. That'd be a fun game to go to. Oh yeah. Especially if the teams are good, that'd be a really fun game to go to Lincoln, Nebraska, dude. I think dude, they're saying they... n- n- I think it's like n- 94,000. Don't they hold the record for the most sellouts consecutively? You don't want to get me started on the most sellouts. They they essentially have a dude that buys up the tickets, so it's a, <laughs> yeah, so so right. so it's a sellout, and then he like gives them to like local children in need. Okay, so well, yeah, I like that. Yeah, That's nice. And 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 I don't care if you're sold out at the start of the game your stadium's going to be cleared by the end of the third quarter because you're so bad. So, I mean, does it really matter that you have all of these sold-out games when you're getting the brakes beat off of you? Oh, man, that is awesome. I, I Well, I had a blast. Yeah, man, that was fun, dude. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Yes, sir. Uh, appreciate all the nice comments over there. Uh, we do. I do like to read them throughout the show. Some of them make me laugh and smile. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, appreciate all the support. Um, again, please like, follow, subscribe. We have Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. And we're on we have- Spotify now. 
Follow yes, us on Spotify. On Spotify. We'll be on Facebook soon. Yep. You can like, you can rate, you, you can subscribe. But the most important thing is you just share with your friends, you just share with your family, and we will see y'all next time. Have a good night, everyone.